The Union 0430 is brought to you by Real Geese. The most technologically advanced silhouettes ever produced. everybody welcome back episode 48 of the union 0430 um as you can see no mark again tonight i think he's in the in the blind chasing down a gobbler uh and uh he's predisposed at the moment but we've got uh brian mccrae back on uh if you remember him from one of the very first episodes of the show and like always, beautiful Phil is down in Oshawa. <laughs> Brian's in Nova Scotia. Dave's up in Concord, and I'm outside of Kingston. Brian, you're outside of Peterborough, right? Beautiful downtown Hastings. Hey, that a boy. There you go. And you know what, Brian? Thanks again for coming on, buddy. I didn't give you much notice. Um, but uh, real sport, working from home now, you got no excuses, really, unless... I guess the only real excuse you could have now is if the baby needed some, uh, if Julie needed some some time off away from the baby, I guess is really your only excuse now. Well, you know, that's a beauty about wearing these, right? You can't, you can't hear whatever else is going on. So it almost puts her on call 24 seven, but yeah. no, happy to join you guys again. No, it's great. And, and you know what? I want to kick off, get right into it. Dave, um, a topic that you had brought up and, and I'll leave it to you and, and let's talk this through. Um, but let's start it right off, right off the bat. Yeah. Um, like we're in the middle of Turkey season here in Ontario right now. And the topic often comes up about photography and Turkey season. And it seems like there's a lot of gray areas with the photography. Um, like what's stopping someone from going out tomorrow, middle of Turkey season, uh, with their camera, their calls, and their and their decoys, setting up in a tent, calling in that bird and taking the pictures of the bird, but they're not actually hunting. And the same would be like, can they do that year round? Um, it's just something that is kind of. It seems like a gray area when you look at the when you look at the regulations. So I, I just thought I'd bring it up here today. I don't know. What's your guys' thoughts it's, on that stuff? It's interesting. I, I don't do it. I'm not a photographer like like Phil. But um, in just like my, you know, blue-collar opinion, like in my opinion, yes, you're not chasing the game technically because there is no harvest. So I don't know if you're able to do it during the hunting season, but I wouldn't see, in my opinion, I would not see a problem definitely not a problem doing it on the off season. Um, again, I've never looked at the regs under this cause I haven't, I've had no desire to go do that. So, um, so it's kind of interesting. I'm kind of, I don't, I think Philly's looking it up right now, but um, right. yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see what it is. What about I, the whole aspect of um, 
interfering with a hunt, right? Because we know, we know that's not allowed. So you cannot interfere with a hunt. So is that a, is that a way that you could, if you're on your private property, you're not really interfering with a hunt, right? Right. But like you're essentially hunting wild game with a camera instead of a shotgun where you don't need to put the money into your tag to put back into the right to put back into the system right and right. the same would go, like so you could do this before turkey season started like like right now there's some debate on the uh ontario forums about maybe the the breeding of the turkeys happened back in march during that warm spell so if someone was so inclined they could have gone out then mm-hmm. and they would have had the same thrills of hunting a turkey except when they got into 30 yards you used your camera to take that picture so it's a if you do look at the regulations, it seems like a gray area. Um, I talked to a buddy of mine who is a CEO and he said it's, it's kind of a gray area, but I just wanted to know, bring it up and see what your guys thoughts were on it. And I know two of you are looking up the regulations now, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the smarty, so let's, let, let's get the smarty pants, both of them to, to weigh in on this. Well, it's it's definitely a gray area and i'll i'll use um and i think you would probably if you asked a number of of conservation officers you'd probably get a number of different answers and the the scenario that i would give and it would be very similar to you know uh taking a taking a kid hunting with you uh so first obviously hunting as defined and i think phil's looking up the uh, the definition of hunting is lying wait, calling you know, actively pursuing wild game. But the, the, the example I'll give is when you take a kid out hunting uh, and I'm not talking someone, a youth who's got their youth apprenticeship, you know, I take Bryce out calling uh, or uh, hunting with me. He's 10 years old. Technically the way the rules are, Bryce can't use a call. He can't call the ducks, even though he's not hunting, he can't actively participate in the hunt. Mm. He's, he's there as viewership. He's there, you know, obviously to learn. Um, but, Technically, and this is one of the things which is, you know, it doesn't really make sense. And, you know, you, you scratch your head about and you're trying to get people involved. You want to get them interested in it, but he can't, he can't participate anyway, actively in that hunt. So hmm. I, I think, I think you're, I think you're bang on that. It is definitely a gray area. And I, I would have to actually double check and refer to some of my colleagues. Um, and I could probably get, get an actual answer from you from uh, enforcement branch in, in Peterborough on it. But um I think you're right. I think, you know, it would be at the discretion of the conservation officer, depending on the circumstances of it. So it's actually been bugging me since last Turkey season. And like, so I talked to a kid about what do you want to be when you're older? And he was talking about being a conservation officer. And normally when I have these discussions, when I talk to youth about what they want to be, I think to myself, what would it be like in today's climate to a get that job and B what would it be like in that job? And every year when Turkey season rolls around, it's like, my God, it, there's so many, it seems like so many gray areas. And the second you show up on a property, some guys just immediately hate you because you are in that role. And that's why it, today it kind of got brought up again because I saw some memories from last year and I remembered like that's, it bugged me last year. But so here's a caveat to it. You've, you've, harvested both your birds and in the regulations it says that once you've harvested both your birds you can go out with someone else right and help them get their bird 
but there's a lot of people that will go out after they've harvested both their birds, go out by themselves and do the same thing, like essentially hunt for another bird, but just take a photo. Um, and last year, the thing that really drove me was there was a guy that went out and he would drive down the road. And if he had permission on the property and he saw a Tom, he would try and reap the Tom. And if people don't know what reaping is, it's basically like a, like a flat decoy with a handle in the back and you crawl towards the bird hoping to get an aggressive tom to come out to challenge you and you're crawling at them like that and this makes it so that you can get some action yeah kind of like that right this makes it so you can get some action shots of them coming towards you right um of an aggressive tom coming at you and the guy posted that and i was like man are you be careful like i'm, I'm not sure if you can do that and he says no you can and and it, it kind of i was really questioning it but hey that's why I thought I'd bring it up. I'm not putting names I'm, out there, but I'm questioning these regulations and the fact that I can't find the goddamn definition. So I, I just found it. It's under the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Act. <clears throat> so hunting, hunting, as it says in uh, in the FWCA, says hunting includes lying in wait for, searching for, being on the trail of, pursuing, chasing, or shooting at wildlife, whether or not the wildlife is killed, injured, captured, or harassed or capturing or harassing wildlife. Uh, except that hunting does not include um, trapping or lying in wait for, searching for, being on the trail of, or pursuing wildlife for a purpose other than attempting to kill, injure, capture, or harass it, unless the wildlife is killed, injured, captured, or harassed as a result. So yeah. in reading that, it would be a permitted activity. Yeah, yes. exactly. Photography is not harassment. Photography is not harassment. Yeah. yeah. So there's but again, room. but again, I would stress that it would still probably be gray depending on the conservation officer you encounter if you encounter one. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And and I guess harassing. I guess this is where discrepancy of the CEO would come in because that reaping that you described Dave to me that is harassing do you know what I mean like I would take that as as harassing wildlife if you're sitting in a blind and you've got decoys out and they're walking towards you I don't think or, and maybe that is harassing but I I think it's a fine line but actually like trying to piss off uh, a strutting tom to come at you I think that is harassing but maybe maybe i'm wrong i don't know well not, think, not to mention it's breeding season too right yeah. which um which i think would play into it it would be different if it was september fall, yeah, right maybe yeah. um it, it that's sounds, just again that's just my own yeah it, my own it sounds on. trifling in nature <laughs> now shallow and pedantic mm. i'd like to caveat everything that we've talked about here we were just bringing up a discussion and if it seems like maybe i was attacking someone i wasn't but if you feel guilty or ashamed, then you should be. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. Hey, nice little segue. Let's let's go into my favorite topic that I love talking about, and that's douchebags and people that just got to, like, they just can't be happy with other people's successes. And again, I'm not going to get into it, and, and God knows this person probably doesn't even listen to the show, but I, I'm... I have a strong inclination that if he does listen to this show, um, he's going to know who we're talking about and I'll probably get a message, but we have said it a million times on this show 
that we are our own worst enemy and, and we do not do ourselves any favors because there is this insatiable need to cut one another up. And listen, I am probably one of the most opinionated people you'll ever meet. And, and God knows I don't like many people, but I do, I will go out of my way not to cut you up. Oh, I you, bet I could give you a run for your money, Damien. <laughs> yeah, probably. But you know what I mean? Like I keep my opinions to myself or within a very close circle. And and listen, if you're if you're having success, I'm not jealous. I'm not um, intimidated. I'm not, listen, I'm happy for you. If you're having success, I am genuinely happy for you as long as you're not stabbing people in the back. Happiness is contagious. So, you know, in this, this small waterfowling community, hunting community that we have in Canada, because it is a very small community, we need to figure out a way that we can all get along and stop cutting one another up and tattling on people. It's just, it makes no sense to me. And I don't mean tattling because it's against, against the law, because if, if you're breaking the law, well, then, you know, you're on your own there. But I just be happy for one another when people have successes. Um, and that's... I believe, I believe there's a song that would be appropriate for your oh. comments, Damien. Oh, and what is that, Philly? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Uh, I thought you were going to say, don't worry, be happy. But, yeah. That also well, would be appropriate. It would. I think at the end of the day, if you got a problem with somebody, like, A, man up, like, or woman up, and fire them a message. Uh, or person up. Person. person. Thank you. People kind. Yeah. My mistake. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I know, Brian. I shiver your opinion. So I see your head going back and forth. Anyways, like contact them and be like, hey, you know, I don't necessarily agree with XYZ. Okay. You don't have sure. to like backdoor them. And if you got nothing nice to say, if it's not constructive or it's not professional or polite, just don't say it at all. Yeah. Because like, it is a tiny, tiny community, especially on this side of the border. Yeah. And we are fighting tooth and nail every day, whether you're a deer hunter, turkey hunter, waterfowler, to recruit, you know, keep numbers up, uh, keep funding and turning on each other because, you know, you are trying to gain more Instagram likes or whatever is, is not kosher. And it's not going to help the overall cause of, uh, of our of our group so yeah very very good very good points i mm -hmm. uh you know that and i think and i think we've uh we've made our point on that brian um now that we've got some of that edited away i want to take the chance to to face to face to say congratulations on on your daughter as somebody once told me you now have a gentleman's family. That's well, you have two sons and a daughter now, but so a gentleman's family. Um, congrats. But you're getting a little long in the tooth, buddy, to be having a newborn. Hey, 27's not long in the tooth. Come on now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Damien, you should know now. I, my response to that is I'm as old as you want me to be. Come on. Yeah, yeah true. You're, no. you're, 20, you're 27 with how many years experience? <laughs> with experience, yeah. Well, no, first, I uh, uh, appreciate that. It, uh, obviously, uh, uh, we, weren't, we weren't expecting to have another one, but uh, you know what? Uh, we're extremely happy. She's, ironically, she's 12 weeks old today. Time flies. It's crazy. Um, crib, cribbing behind us here, but, uh, yeah, no, she's, um, you know what I, I actually, you know, I think I'm a firm believer and, you know, we've talked about, uh, my, my youngest boy, Jace a few times, but I'm a mm-hmm. firm believer of everything happens for a reason. Big and, time. you know, sometimes I don't, you know, I don't understand, or I don't know the reasons why. And I think that goes as true with everyone, but I will say that with, uh, the birth of Gemma, we called her Gemma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's actually helping to heal a little bit. And, yeah. uh, you know, our last experience was, um, less than ideal and, Absolutely. uh, you know, throughout this whole process, it was, it was nerve wracking. And, you know, I probably drank a few too many bottles of these, um, you know, during the process, but, you know, she's, um, I think has helped us, uh, remember how, uh, things normally go. And that, you know, the sun always comes up. And so I think it's, it's helping to heal, but uh, yeah, I was always, I always joked, you know, having two boys, I, I've got a lot of pals with, uh, with girls and I always joked. I was like, Oh man, I feel sorry for you. I said, you know, I'll, I'll tell Bryce to have her home by a certain time, but no guarantees. <laughs> right. And, and uh, now that's coming around to bite me in the ass. So mm-hmm. I, uh, we've already, we've already decided that she's going to be a nun. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Brian you and, and those you... things, but raising a daughter, you can't control anything. You're going to learn quickly that you are the one that does what you're told. <laughs> I've quick, I've quickly learned that after 12 weeks, I put yeah. on a, I put on a big face, but so, yeah. so I'll give you, this is what happened when, uh, when Trish went down and had her ultrasound and we found out our first child was going to be, was going to be a girl. And I come back to work and my buddy, um, said to me, he said, uh, Hey, how Dalter sound that go? I said, well, I said, everything's good. Baby's healthy. Everything's good. We're having a girl. And he said, how do you feel about that? And I said, well, you know, I, I said, I was hoping for a boy. I said, but I'm happy no matter what, right? Like as long as the baby's healthy, I said, but I was looking forward to a boy. And he looked at me straight face and he said, I'm going to tell you something right now. He said, you give a girl a hockey stick she's going to learn how to play hockey. You give a boy a hockey stick, something's getting fucking destroyed. And it is 100% right. Because I have a son and I have a daughter. And from one year, from, you know, when he started crawling to two years old, it was watching the evolution of man coming out of the cave to the point where he's now a contributing member of society because whatever he picked up, if he couldn't smash it, he tried to eat it. That was it. That was, that was the mind of, of the boy. Meanwhile, the girl completely different, 100%. So I think after uh, your experience with uh, Jason Bryce, when it comes right down to it, not not counting the teenage years because they're going to be hellish as mm. Dave and I can attest to. Um, but those younger years, you're going to have fun. That's yeah, very, much so. very much like my very much like my six year old. Just 
basic stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the evolution of man. You didn't, my, Darwin my, didn't have to go to the Galapagos <clears throat> Islands. All he had to do was just look at a newborn boy. My father was looking after my youngest a couple years ago. So we sent him with, we got like one of those little tiny, the little miniature iPad, iPad mini, whatever the hell it is. So he takes it with him to my parents' house. And obviously the Wi-Fi is not set up on the iPad to my parents' house. And he's trying to do something like get onto something that requires Wi-Fi and stuff. And he, he couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Fucking Hulk smash. <laughs> Hulk so like smash. Three, day, three days later, you know, like I, I'm, I'm at the house here. I'm dicking around. I pick up the iPad and the fucking screen's got a bunch of cracks through it. I'm like, Dylan, what the hell happened to the iPad? Oh, tried getting on YouTube and it wouldn't work. <laughs> so I smashed it. My kid. I, I laugh. Mine. Meanwhile, I'd, if it was my kid, I would have been upset, but I laughed because it's not my kid and, and mm. I didn't lose a, well, a new I'm not going to lie. I, I've thrown guns. <laughs> I've thrown fishing rods. I've thrown decoys. I've kicked boats. I've kicked layout blinds. Like, I wonder where he gets it from. Yeah. Mm. Ryan, uh, I don't know if you had a chance um, a couple, uh, last week. Yeah, last week we had Corey Baker on. And, and Corey was talking about um, the trapping world. And I know that is something you're, you're big into, something that you say you're not a professional, but you're a darn good trapper. Um, and, and Corey was talking about, you know, how the, the beaver pelt is not as sought after anymore, but all the other things in the bit like that caster gland and everything is, is so sought after. And, and when he started telling us about what it's being used for, it was mind boggling. So like in, in your experience now with, because I'm pretty sure you had a fairly good uh, winter and spring with beaver, right? Yeah, I had uh, I, for as much as I wanted to get out and, and put them up, had a pretty good year. Yeah. Um. So what about the, so what are you noticing within that that trapping world? Like, is, is it a decline in in the numbers of people that want pelts, and now they're just using, you know, the other parts of the animal? Yeah, there's there's definitely the trapping world. Uh, you know, the trapping market is definitely depressed right now with with kind of shit going on overseas. Some of the biggest buyers come from you know Russia and some of the mm -hmm. European countries, right? So there's a lot of a lot of crap going on over there. But um, you know, ironically, the uh, the fur harvesters um, they have an auction house in in North Bay. They just had their most recent sale, and it was actually one of the better sales they've had in a long time. And it's not where they used to be, but you know, fur is obviously um, you know it's kind of like hunting right? There's, there's people who are for hunting and people who are against it. And with trapping, mm -hmm. I think it's even, it's even compounded more because um, the lack of education or the ignorance of, of people um, just not realizing um, what How goes into done. it, right? Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> yeah, it, um, you know, I, I got out a, a, a little bit this year, obviously it cut kind of short with, with Gemma uh, being her due date being in February, but you know, the, you know, beavers are, <clears throat> beavers are one of those critters that uh cause all kinds of destruction for me and for a lot of for a lot of guys they uh i can't even you know what <laughs> I, I, can't, to get through it. I can't even listen to this because every time i hear a beaver like i'm like a 13 year old boy 
like, and it's horrible. And I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, but like, and you're talking and it's like, Beaver, such a destructive thing. And Buddy, I'm I got guessing. a 12 week old here. Come on now. You think I'm not thinking the same thing? Hey, nothing good has ever come out of the beaver. <laughs> nothing. Uh, anyway, but, sorry, but, Brian. But yeah, I know. All, in, in all seriousness, no, there's, uh, you know, with, with beavers, they're, uh, you know, for, for me and a lot of guys and gals, uh, nuisance work is as much of a, a job as, as actually trapping. I do a lot of work for the municipality of Trent Hills here. And I know a lot of guys do a lot of nuisance trapping for, for folks that they get in and they're just, they get in and destroy an area, right? They just, yeah. um, you know, they just make an absolutely mess. It, fantastic for creating, you know, duck holes, honey holes, but uh, from the landscape. But yeah, beavers, you know, the pelts prices have gone down drastically. Um, you know, casters are kind of the, the most valuable part, but like for me, I, I, I utilize everything. I I'm a bear hunter as well. I kind of, I get involved in everything. And, and one of the best, uh, bear baits is, is hanging a beaver as well. Everything likes a beaver. Really, right? eh? so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and as <laughs> what a lot of people aren't, aren't aware of is, is as a trapper, actually, uh, trappers can sell, um, beaver carcasses as well. Um, a lot of people don't realize that, but so okay. for, for me, uh, you know, it's the beaver pelt is actually one of the least valuable things, you know, depending on, depending on the sale and depending on the size of the pelt and, you know, the market, you know, I've had, you know, people have had beaver pelt sell for a couple bucks and, you know, the highest one, highest beaver pelt I had went for 60 bucks, which is, which is pretty good. Um, really? That's right all. Now. Yeah. There's a lot of work that goes into it for, Fuck yeah. for a little bit of money, but what actually what I'm doing um, this year is I've, I'm sending a, a few pelts away to get tanned. Um, you know, actually, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks are doing that selling tanned pelts to folks as, as trappers. We can do that legally now. And, you know, there's a, there seems to be a growing market of, of folks wanting them for wall hangers, mm-hmm. you know, putting them in the man cave along the bars or wherever the case may be, whether it's a fox or a, a wolf or a coyote or a beaver or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But I'm, I'm getting some uh, custom uh, winter mitts made with, uh, with some of the beaver fur that I got done up this year. Cool. So that's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really I had, a, I had a coyote pelt for the longest time that I actually I went to Fleming and Lindsay and studied fisheries biology and wildlife management. And one of our like school assignments, I think was in my second year, is we had to get like a critter and like skin it out and tan it in the whole nine. So I scored a roadkill coyote and skinned it out, fleshed it, tanned it like the whole nine. I had it hanging in the basement for like the longest time. A little mangy in the ass end, but rest of it was pretty cool all phil's classmates were pissed at him right because they got that fucking crack squirrel from downtown Lindsay, and phil's rocking (laughs) and phil's rocking in with a fucking coyote they go coyote yeah (laughs) Yeah, some people some people did deer there was a couple groundhogs like all kinds of random that's pretty cool it's cool yeah Uh, actually brian i tell you what i would that is something i would like to have uh for this area right here is is a wall hanger so when you do get some let me know because i really would like to buy one off you because i i something i would like to have yeah well we we can chat you know we um around here well i actually just secured a trap line in perry sound district so i'm going to be able to get into some some new critters that uh that aren't down here but you know, on a typical gear for me down here where I am, you know, I get everything from beavers to otters. Uh, otters are beautiful. Um, the fur on, on otters, muskrats, um, you know, coyotes, 
Fox sometimes, Fisher sometimes if I have enough, uh, if I get the quota for them. So there's lots of, lots of things. I've had some friends, um, you know, use some Fisher for some uh, fur around the jackets, the winter jackets. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's utilizing a, a resource that's right. Have you, uh, sustainable have you, resource. have you ever targeted links? I, you know, obviously down here, there's no season for them. No. Um, okay. So, uh, where I'm, where my trap line is in Perry sound there, there is a, you know, there is a population of links. I don't have a quota of links on my, on my new trap line, but right. you know, folks do get them as incidentals. Uh, I have some friends up in Thunder Bay area that they, they, they target links every year. Um, yeah. they're, they're a cool critter. Oh yeah, they are they're amazing, man. They, amazing. They eat up, fun fact about those, they ate up to 200 rabbits a year. Really? One links. One links. Yeah. So that's like, just like every animal, right? They're, they're, uh, they run with the cycles, right? High rabbit population, your lynx yeah. population, rabbit populations plummet. So will your lynx populations, right? We, we see Stay that down here. Yeah. So, we, yeah. So we had Corey on, um, so when we had Corey on, he had, he had just moved into a new, uh, a new property out in the country. Um, and, and he said like when he moved out there, he had prime real estate for, for a very healthy rabbit population, but no rabbits. And then he started noticing coyotes coming around on times of day when you shouldn't be seeing coyotes and you shouldn't be seeing them in places where he was seeing them. Right. Um, so anyways, he ended up taking out a couple coyotes and lo and behold, rabbit population started, started to increase again. Right. So, um, made 200 rabbits a year. That's crazy. Right. Well, you know what you, we, we can liken it right back to the, the heart of this, of Punisher waterfall in these conversations, (laughs) right. Trapping plays in uh, a critical role in, in predator control for for ducks and geese. Right. Like, you know, I know, I know organizations like Delta, they actively hire trappers on a lot of their properties to, yep. to manage those critters. Right. And that, you know, I, I see it even on the, um, our uncle's property. Uh, he's got a beautiful pond back there where I do some water fouling and, you know, you, you knock the crap back out of the raccoon populations. And, you know, if you got quotas for fisher and you, you know, you take out a mink every once in a while, uh, maybe get some weasels. It's going to help your, 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 your hatch right you know those critters aren't getting into the, the wood duck boxes and whatever have you right so and, and even uh crows too crows mm-hmm. are a huge and, and like as most of us uh, know troy pointer mm-hmm. um and follow troy on social media like he was smashing the shit out of crows down around his neck of the woods and that's a huge help to you know the, the duck nests and, are, you know, are crows and are crows considered a nuisance animal? Because I know when I was in New Brunswick, they were, are they the same in Nova Scotia, Ryan? They were a nuisance bird in, in New Brunswick and you could just go out and, and smash crows, yeah, right? They they are here. Um, yeah. The thing you got to be careful, a lot of people don't know, especially where I live, there's a lot, and I mean a lot of ravens. So, oh. and you can't shoot a raven. You can shoot a crow, but you can't shoot a raven. So if you don't know how to identify the difference, like just don't risk it. But yeah, ravens yeah, are no, like twice the size too, though, right? They are, but you can get a young one that looks yeah. like a big crow. But yeah, fair I mean, enough. Their, their bills are substantially larger than a, than a crow. So I've yeah. seen and, and, I've I've seen ravens up in Thunder Bay, like where we moose hunt, like they'll get into a gut pile, and yeah, yeah. like they're big. Mm, they're yeah. a big bird, like not quite the size of like a Canada, but like they're a big bird. Hmm. 
So Brian, that's a really good point. And, and I don't think we've ever on this show tied, uh, we've tied predator control to waterfowl hunting, but we've never tied um, the importance that the trappers, like the people themselves that are trapping and just how important the work that they're doing is to, you know, helping with, with that new hatch every year. Right. And, and you brought up a really good point because every one of those animals that you're trapping, um, they're, they're out hunting for those hen houses and those, those wood duck boxes and, and, and they're just destroying that new hatch. Right. So, um, and yeah, go for it, buddy. Well, when you, like we talked about it last episode about how it was earth day or whatever. And then Cabela's actually put out a thing like for conservationists, every day is earth day. Yeah. And you start looking at like, as wetlands start reducing, you have to do things because you can't just keep rebuilding them and keep up with it. Yeah. So predator control and, and conservationists were building wood duck boxes and putting up hen nests and all these other things we're doing to try and help the population. Right. Like there's a big cycle there that, that yeah. us as hunters and conservationists are a big part of and the trappers don't get enough credit for what they do. Very well, true. At the end of the day, right. Whether you're a, an angler, a hunter, or a trapper, you know, you're basically you're stewards of the land. Right. And, yeah. and, you are, you know, we have seasons, they're there for a reason, even trapping, you know, there, there are regulations on, you know, what we can trap when we can trap just like any hunting season as well. And, uh, oh, I hear little Miss Gemma awake, um, <laughs> you know, so it's it, it, to your point and it, and it, you know, everyone works together, you know, um, even though a lot of folks really, you know, sometimes don't connect the dots, they all mm. play a role. Right. Absolutely. And it's, it's all about wildlife management and you know what? just like um you know just like hunters won't go out and shoot every last critter on the landscape much to some people's thoughts uh yeah. and their views you know trappers are the same way in that you know you're managing your line so to speak so you can continue to harvest species each year right like yeah. for fisher i'll get one fisher a year you know set up for one fisher doesn't seem like a lot uh, or it seems like a lot of work for one for one critter but you know what i'm, I'm okay doing that if 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 I get one fisher every yeah. year and I, I can have that opportunity because it's something unique, it's something different. Right. So mm-hmm. it, you know, it all plays into, it all plays into it. And I think, you know, everyone plays an active role and, and um, you know, kind of it goes back to a conversation we had earlier tonight is, you know, we're our own worst enemies. And at the end of the day, we as a community are the ones that do the most for fish and wildlife conservation anywhere. Right. So Absolutely. We, we, we should be proud of that and never, never shy away from having those conversations. They now, say bro- that hunters are the biggest conservationists, right? Yeah. The amount of money that we put back into the, into the sport and the resources and stuff. Yeah. What exactly does anti-hunting hate propaganda go towards? Well, the- Nothing. Now, Brian, for all of our listeners that maybe might want to get into trapping, it's, it's not something that is just covered by our hunting license. And maybe like, if you don't know exactly like what the credits are or whatever, but give a little overview of what it takes to get your trapper's license in Ontario here. Sure. If you can. Yeah. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And it's, you know what, it, it's, it's very much like getting your hunting license. There's a mandatory uh, trapper's course that you have to take. 
Um, don't quote me on, I believe it's about 40 hours. I, I did it over two weekends. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't take the trapping course or become a trapper to turn a profit. I wanted to do it because I always had an interest in it. Um, you know, obviously Canada was built on trapping that that's, that's beyond anything. That's, that's what we were built on. So I always had kind of an interest in it. And, you know, for, so for me that the two weekends was, it was like a kid in a candy store. I was just eating up the information. So when I took my course, um, it was uh, the first couple days, the first weekend was, you know, you were in the classroom doing theory. And, and then the, the third day, you know, the instructor brought in some critters and we practiced, um, you know, skinning the part, skinning the critters, which is, which is part of the course. And, and I was lucky enough that my instructor had, he actually had his own trap line. So on the fourth day, we, we did our class on his trap line. So all of our practical stuff of learning how to do sets, whether it was land sets or in water, we were, we were right out there, you know, we were crawling on beaver dams and going and looking for the sign and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's a, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the course and, you know, um, gr the great organization, the Terra Fur Managers Federation, uh, they're kind of responsible for uh, looking after the course, uh, much like OFH is for the Hunter Ed program. And, you know, so there's trappers, uh, just like Hunter Ed, there's trappers throughout the province. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a link on their OFMF uh, webpage that you can go on. I, I highly recommend it. You know, even if it's, even if you don't want to trap, just, just to learn about, you know, a different species and, and, and how, how that plays into everything. Right. And right down to track uh, management and track identification when you're mm -hmm. out, when you're out in the bush or in the, with a new snowfall, I, I really enjoyed the course. I, I really, I really appreciated doing it. And I've, you know, I'm only, I guess I'm seven, eight years into it now, but, um, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And, and, uh, I found that, uh, even, you know, I'm on that property I was talking about, you know, I've, I've been taking my, my one fisher a year type of thing for the most part, uh, each year. And, you know, I see my gross populations go up, right? So, you know, just those minor, those minor things that, you know, you don't really think means a lot um, at all, it all plays into it. So it's just, it's a simple course. It's, you know, it's relatively inexpensive. It's a couple hundred bucks. Uh, I don't know how the exact price on me, but um, it, it's a great course. And just like the Hunter Ed, you know, youth can get involved. You can get your youth trappers license at 12 as well. Um, mm -hmm. so it's a great opportunity to get, you know, youth involved. Bryce has been, been coming with me since he's been, you know, uh, five or six years old, I guess, you know, him saying cheese behind a, a, hang, a, a raccoon that I got right, you know, right from the start. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's important for kids to, to understand good wildlife management and, and it's not just killing things, you know, it's, everything's being utilized and, it's um that's what that's one of the big things that a lot of people don't realize they just think oh you're just going out to to yeah. kill for killing and that's you know i don't have to tell you guys that that's that's not the way it is and you know my my job every day the you know most most days i'm talking about this with people too so um no it's it's a great course i really enjoyed it and you know i'm always happy to to chat with it and you know i'm like i said i got that new trap line in perry sound I'm, I'm looking forward to getting up there soon to start exploring it and uh, you know i'm i'm the type of person that you know if someone's interested uh, and i did this with the trap line i had in chapeau and I, I had some some buddies hitch along when i'm going up just to go up and kind of see what it's all about i'm always i'm always open to that so um it's it's uh, just another another hobby i have i guess i got a question for you brian about trap lines how does someone like what exactly is a trap line um, how can you obtain one? Like, is there certain geographical blocks that the MNR lays out? Like how does, how does trap lines work? 
Yeah. So trap lines, uh, registered trap lines, you know, I, I should be saying registered trap lines are all on uh, crown land. And so obviously the bulk of Southwest, well, the, both, the bulk of Southern Ontario essentially don't have trap lines because it's primarily private land. So a trapper can secure permission on private land with, with a signature and trap on all those for registered trap lines. Uh, the ministry will basically grid off crown land into sections and it's all broken down into their geographical area. So, you know, it'll be Perry sound district and Sudbury district and Chapleau district, Thunder Bay district, that sort of thing. So they'll, they'll kind of uh, break their crown land down into sections and um, each section will be a, a registered trap line. So, you know, as a, as a trapper, you earn points basically. Uh, you get points for, you know, how many years you've trapped. Did you take the trappers course? Have, have you been marketing fur? Uh, are you an O2 on a line? So are, O2 means, are you a helper on a line? Um, you know, obviously do you have indigenous connections to the line? You know, there's a lot of things that go into it, but it's uh, basically it's awarded on a point system. You have to apply uh, for a specific trap line. So it's, it's, it's much like, you know, if you're like when you're applying for your, your bull tag, Phil, right? You're, you're looking at a certain WMU and you're, you're applying for a bull uh, for cow or a bull for the gun season, a cow for the gun season, right? It's, it's, it's similar for trapping. You kind of identify a region where you want to go. You make connections with the district MNR office. You wait for trap line allocations, which normally happens, you know, January, February, March, sometime in that range. They go out with any trap lines that are available. You fill out some forms, you submit. If you, if it's your lucky day and you are the successful candidate, you're, you, uh, you know, you're offered the trap line and I, I, you know, you can get into it. There's, you know, if the trap line's vacant, there's no, there's no cost to it. So I was lucky in the trap line I had, there was, it was a vacant trap line. So it didn't cost me anything. If I was to go on and uh, if I was to go on that trap line and, and really invest time, you know, I could go through the proper channels. I could build a trap cabin. I could use it throughout the year for trapping purposes or maintenance. If I wanted to get rid of that and, and you were the successful candidate, you actually don't, it doesn't cost you anything for the trap line, but you would negotiate with me then uh, for what's called improvements on the line. So, you know, that trap line uh, cabin, there's a cost to it. If I was including an ATV or whatever the case may be. So you and I would deal directly for that. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, it's, it's, they're all registered through the MNRF and they're regulated and, and there are quotas for each, for each trap line that you've, you've got to kind of adhere to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like where we moose hunt up past Thunder Bay. Um, it's obviously, I guess the kind of quasi crown land, but I think currently Wagner mm -hmm. uh, yep. own, like owns, I guess the forestry rights, whatever the case may be, that's the area that we hunt. And there's actually a trapper that has his cabin, like, I don't know. Like he's, I think we're like 20 K into the bush and we've been moose hunting this property. I think like our group, some of the members since like the late eighties and over the course of time, we've become friends with this guy and, you know, he'll come over, you know, and we'll have, you know, have a sip here and there. And like, you know, we've become friends over the years and like, and he traps the area and looks after the wolves and the beaver and this and that. Cause like the beavers, they'll wash out roads, you know, dam up culverts and we've actually physically seen some of the damage that they've caused while being there moose hunting. And like, obviously if we see something, we'll let Dan know like, Hey dude, like beavers are in the works over in this spot. He'll go over, clean out a culvert, whatever, set up, you know, a couple sticks there just outside the culvert, put the trap down the whole nine uh, and you know, he'll flag it. And obviously we don't, don't be poking around in there. You'd be losing a finger or something, <laughs> but it's very, uh, very interesting, uh, you know, sport i guess you could say you know 
that people take part in. And obviously it, it contributes to uh, a lot of things and whatnot. And it's good to see. Not that I've, that I've ever trapped, but there, there was a couple of old fellas back when I was growing up that, that had trap lines and, and we used to try to, to snare Fox. Um, never any luck with a Fox, uh, just a, a wiry creature. Um, but from what I do know about it, like, you got to know what you're at. Like no average Joe is just like, you're not walking in your first day and putting traps down and, and getting something like it, it's a process to learn. Um, and it, and it surely is, it's an art to be able well, to do I'm it. Yeah. And to be able to do it ethically too, right. To make sure that you're doing it the right way. Like it certainly is an art and something that, that that's learned over time and not, uh, something that you could uh, pick up in a in a weekend. The course is just the start, I would say, eh, Brian? Yeah, the course the course is a good start, and you're you're definitely right. I remember like the first year, I didn't even like I was I was trying to get red squirrels, like I was trying to master red squirrels, and they're probably one of the easiest things to catch, right? It's it's it, but it's like everything, right? You know, mm -hmm. you invest time. You're not going to be an expert goose caller when you pull up that you know the you know, you pull up a rusty's call, right? A heron's call. You're not, you're not an expert the first time you blow that. And, you know, the same with, if you throw a diaphragm turkey call in your mouth, you know, you're probably, you'd be lucky if you get the right sound out of it after a week of trying, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. like everything you got to invest your time. You got to, you got to be invested in it and you got to be, you got to have the willingness to learn and trial and error. And, and, um, you know, just like, you know, if I'm going out to set my tree stand up, I'm, I'm looking to set that tree stand in an area where there's game trails while well, you're trapping's no different, mm -hmm. right? You take the same mentality. That's the mentality I've had is, you know, you're looking for the same sign. You're looking for animal critter sign. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, uh, how'd you do, how are you doing so far on Turkey? I know you and Bryce were out. Yeah, we, uh, we got one opening day in the evening. I struck out in the morning, <clears throat> not uh, for lack of Turkey action. Um, they just, uh, they didn't want to cooperate. The hens came in and the, I think the toms, I had six toms just off to my left, about 65, 75 yards that hung up. And I guess they would already finished with the hens and they were more interested in picking bugs than coming over to see my, my, my sexy looking hen decoy. But <laughs> we, uh, I took Bryce out on, uh, opening day, uh, for an afternoon hunt on a farm. I actually just got uh, around the corner here. Uh, and we, we had scattered a couple of times and seen birds in the field, but, uh, so we walked in and, and sure enough, there were three birds out. It's a huge wheat, uh, winter wheat field, which on a side note, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. Cause I've, <laughs> I actually, I, I, I actually secured the property for, for goose hunting yeah. and it kind of laid it kind of funneled into <clears throat> funneled into Turkey. Actually, to be honest, if I want to go real back, um, <clears throat> what got me into the farm was nuisance trapping he wants me to come in and take out some, some nuisance critters. So through negotiations, I, uh, <clears throat> I don't charge him, and he gives yeah. me access to his 200 acre farm, but it's, uh, I got, it's, I think I, I made a Facebook post. I, I said, it's a field of green, <clears throat> huge winter wheat field. And it's right beside my buddy's property who has uh, 67 acres and it's, it's right on a little private lake. So oh, it's nice. like, per, you got the roost, yeah. you got feet anyways. Yeah. Um, we walked in and, uh, we actually, there were three birds on the far side of the field and from 200 yards away, they saw us and they, they kind of fucked off. And so we walked in, got set up and, and, uh, found a beauty spot. And, you know, obviously first time in the farm, didn't really have a whole lot of, you know, uh, 
whole lot of thought process and uh, where we should set up, but we got set up and Bryce had a little siesta there for about 40 minutes with the sun <laughs> shining on him. And <laughs> I was, uh, I was just kind of calling lightly and he woke up and it was about, I don't know, about four 30. And all of a sudden I heard, Tup. I don't, that sounded really close. And we had set up right behind a great big boulder. We were leaning against it. It was kind of a perfect setup. And I look back and not seven yards behind us, there were three Jakes who had obviously been hearing me calling, but were quiet. So I had whispering to Bryce, I'm like, buddy, don't move. <laughs> They're right behind us. So he's like, his eyes are just like bug oh, yeah. eyes. Right. And saucers. So, you know, they, uh, they obviously, uh, knew something was up. So they backtracked a little bit, but they cut around, cut through the bush. And I told Bryce, I said, watch, watch right beside us. They're going to come out. And sure enough, not, you know, three seconds later, they popped out into the field and a couple, couple soft purrs and a cluck, they came over and it took, took over 10 minutes for them to separate. I asked Bryce, I said, are we going to shoot a Jake? He's like, yeah, dad, I don't want you to shoot. He, yeah. that kid, man, he, he loves his turkey strips battered and fish crisp fried in butter, man. He, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I tell know, you what, man, I like I, I said to him, I said, you want me to shoot it? And he was, he was already mouth was drooling. He's like, yeah, dad, <laughs> you know, take it if you, so we had to wait for 10 minutes for the buggers to, to separate it enough, which, you know, I, I love situations like that because, you know, Bryce just turned 10. So, you know, he's not far off getting his, his youth apprenticeship, you know, two years from now, he's going to be, he's going to be out in the field with me, just like, like other lucky dads. And, uh, and uh, so it was, you know, for me, I thought it was a great learning experience where, you know, he's like, dad, shoot us. You know, you, you can't shoot, but you got to wait for them to separate. You know, you can't, mm. you can't take two with one. And so it was great. He was like, every time I said, okay, buddy, get ready, get ready. I'm going to shoot. You know, he'd, he'd slowly get, get his hands up. We forgot his, yeah. his earmuffs. Right. So he'd slowly yeah. go up <laughs> and then all of a sudden he'd hear, he'd hear dad say, shit. <laughs> they, so anyways long story short they finally separated we shot the biggest uh biggest one just collapsed him and he was uh he was jumping for joy so uh you know what it was a special hunt for me i uh you know it's it's no trophy bird from a from a size or you know beard length but for me those memories um yeah. and i know i'm not the only one to say that but uh you know what who cares what size the bird is it's you know what I, I had a great great afternoon hunt we were out there for an hour and 20 minutes, right? Like, you know, max. And I was walking in and walking out. So you can't script it any better for getting kids interested. And I said to, I said to Bryce, I said, what do you think? He goes, Oh man, I love Turkey hunting. He goes, you know what? We always get one too. <laughs> That's awesome. Last, our last, yeah, last year we got one. So it's oh, just you, that easy. It's just that easy. Yeah. It's just that easy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just like I, on TV, it, it just like be, on TV. Uh, it wouldn't be right um, now that you've talked and, and I'm sorry that I've, I forgot about it and, and just now bringing it up, but Dave had a, an impressive, and you know what? That was a big old bird that she shot, buddy. Oh yeah. She did good. She did she was, do so, good. So opening morning, um, like all week, she's been getting advice from other turkey hunters like uh oh make sure you shoot a big one and only shoot big ones and like on we spent we went out three times in the last week to she's been shooting a 410 before but we've been shooting the 20 gauge teaching her how to shoot and it it's just just a little bit too much kick for her still she's pretty small and uh finally on the friday she was like okay dad i'm ready like i took her out after work shot it she's like okay i'm ready so then we scouted on saturday night and there was another guy scouting the field beside us and, and we could see all the toms in the field. And he's like, 
you see that big one there? That's the only one you should shoot. Get that. And I'm like, fuck that. She sh- if a Jake walks by, she's shooting a goddamn Jake. Yeah. First bird out of the way, right? Can't eat the well, beard. That's right. No. Yeah. So the first day, opening morning, uh, we had a pretty big one. I- I'm pretty sure it was the same bird. Kind of. They're all grouped up right now. There's 11 birds in the field. And, and one, the one Tom kind of came in. It came to 40 yards. And I just said, no, she was shaking like uh, terribly, like just shaking like a leaf. She's like, can I shoot it? Can I shoot it? And I'm like, no, no, no. And it just kind of stood there, looked at us, looked at the decoys kind of thing, and then turned and left. And I just wasn't going to put that, that shot on her. Right. Like it, it wasn't worth it. So I set up the decoy the next day was zero degrees around. And I wasn't, Another thing I do with youth is when I take a new hunter out or a youth hunter is I make sure that it's decent weather. Like I don't want them to experience a shitty hunt because it's pouring rain and they don't see anything or cold and they don't see anything. I try to keep it positive. Right. So I just said, no, no, we can't go out tomorrow. And so then the third day of the season, which was, I guess that would have been the Tuesday. Yeah. I was like, I didn't even think of it. And she's like, dad, can we just go out before our school? Like, my online learning doesn't start until 9 a.m. Can I just go out? And I'm like, okay. And then I talked to my wife and I said, is it okay? And, and Stacy, bless her heart. She's like, yeah, but you have to be home by nine. So I secretly told my daughter, I said, listen, if there's turkeys working, we're not leaving. And you're just, ha- I'll have to call in sick for you from the blind. <laughs> and uh, so we get out. in the morning. ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, I see the first bird come down at like 610. And I was like, oh, Abby, look out. So we're in a blind, right? Cause with a, with a kid, I have the blind set up just so that I can like maneuver and like talk to them. And, and I kind of held her back just for the, um, to help her with the shot. But, um, so we're in the blind and I have the one, just a little corner peeked open where I know they're going to come out of the roost. And the first one came down. So I'm like, Oh, Abby, look out there. And she's looked, well, sure as shit. The other 10 of them flew down all at the same time. And she just turned to me with these great big eyes and she's like, dad, they're all in the field. And I'm like, yeah. And they all started walking like to the other end, like away from us, like didn't even look at the decoys, didn't respond to calling or nothing. I was like, oh, we're, we're toast. And then out of the bush, this, another bird's coming in and it's beelining it to us. And I'm looking at it and she's like, dad, 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 it's, it's coming. It's coming. She's just whispering, but so anxious and excited. And I'm like, oh, Abby, it's just a hen. Like, well, the thing came in. So I set my decoys at uh, Tom and a, or I guess a Jake and a hen on the ground, like a breeder set up at 10 yards and then two, two hens feeding at, at about 15 yards. Well, this thing goes right to the middle of the three and just starts howling and making every kind of racket you can think of yelping. And, and I'm like, Oh, and then all of a sudden just kind of out of the corner of the eye, I just see this white head, like coming really hard coming at the decoys. And I was like, shit, <laughs> this thing's going to come over and fight my Jake. And it's going to be really cool to see, but that's going to be one of those life lessons that I don't want to be the one to talk to her about that maybe her mom should. So, <laughs> I, so I just decided, Abby, this thing's walking towards us. I yeah. want you to get ready with the gun. And as soon as you're ready, I'll make a sound and it's going to stop and stick its head up and then you shoot it. Yeah. Okay. So the thing's going, I putt and the thing just kind of sticks its head up and She's so anxious. She's going, she's pulling the trigger and she's like pulling it hard. Dad, it's not firing. It's not firing. I'm like, yeah, take a second. And she's like, what? I'm like, take a breath. 
She goes, okay, what? Now take the safety off. <laughs> God <laughs> love her. And it, it kind of oh. calmed down. She takes the safety off and blasts it. And then, yeah, it, it kind of did the whole wobble and laid down. And, and she it was just a beauty like bird. sat there looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it was that a beauty bird. God love her. Uh, yep. Yep. That was a beauty bird. And you know what? A pretty memorable, pretty yep. memorable hunt. Uh, and obviously, you're just as, ex- as excited uh, yeah. as what she is, right? So that that's, you know, it's pr- pretty amazing. Um, pretty, yeah. pretty amazing, buddy. Pretty ha- so, happy for you. She's been spoiled, too, where every time she goes out, like, take last season, for example. I was, I got, my son got his first bird, and then my daughter just wasn't interested because she wasn't allowed to hunt. So she's just like, you just go out with Kobe. Well, then. I took a friend out with, uh, with his daughter and we hadn't seen anything for like three weeks. And we're like, what are we going to do? So I take my friend out with his daughter and I set them up in a little spot. And my son and I go to the other spot that was like pretty active and he shoots the biggest Turkey I've ever seen. And it's just because my daughter's there. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, my son, he goes out and like maybe once every 30 times he's realistic. Right. Whereas. Yeah. <laughs> One thing fun. I do want to say, uh, a shout out to uh emily there that was on our show she's been talking to abby about it afterwards and she's really? kind of one of the ones yeah she's kind of one of the ones that got abby like oh she's a big you you can be a girl and you can be a big hunter and i said yeah like that's someone you look up to is someone that's doing it right and they're they're not just like going out and getting guided they're becoming yeah. a guide and they're that's learning right. how to call and they're putting in the time and the effort and then so she's looked up to emily and and I mentioned it to, I just sent her a nice message. I said, thank you. Like she looks up to you. And, and, uh, Emily says, Oh, well, lo and behold, Emily added her to Instagram and they've been talking and that's awesome. That is her day. I think that that's awesome. And, and such a strong role model for, yeah. for a young girl to, to look at, you know, like, um, if you remember back to Emily's episode, you know, came from a family of non hunters Everything that, you know, all of her successes up to this date have been just through hard work and determination on her part, right? Um, and, you know, you talk, her and Ryan talked about guiding and how she'd be like stressing out because she had clients and stuff like that. Like she's just uh, is an awesome role model for, uh, for a young girl uh, who's interested into the hunting world for sure. And, and it's and, good. Like my daughter's 12. Yeah. And uh, there's not many girls her age that are actually out there hunting and actually mm-hmm. harvesting. And um, yeah. her and her best friend are both doing it this year. Her best friend's dad's taking her out. Um, and both of them, like they're now both following Emily and seeing what's going on. And yeah, it's, it's good to have a good role model. Big so, time. Amen to that. Bit, bit of a uh, shameless plug for uh, Dave Palmer. If anybody's looking for a custom slate call, reach out to Dave. Like, just look at look, look at the mm. beautiful swirl and the burls and the bird's eye and that. Just saying. To be Dave, fair, to get a Dave piece makes of wood an awesome like that, call. it takes about a month to just to get that piece of wood in, just so people know. To be and fair. Custom. To be fair. Little, little matching fair. red yeah. slate on the front there. Yeah. Hey, uh, I don't want to Monday. Don't want to burst your bubble, dear Philly. But my uh, mine's ceramic. 
Just saying. <clears throat> just, just wait. And, and Damien, <laughs> just so you know, pal, if if uh, if we get out of this, uh, you know, the way, the situation we're in, and we the stay at home home order ends, I think we're supposed to end middle May. Yeah, I got a I got a farm that that invites there for you, pal. You want to come down? I was out. Yeah. Uh, I was out the other. I was out yesterday morning, and uh, I had eighteen birds in the one field I was in. So there's no shortage of birds. You know what I got? The... A, a bearded hen. A bearded hen with a five-inch beard. You know and what you know, I was thinking brings... about? Oh, go ahead, Dave. Oh, no. You bring up that bearded hen, and there was actually a few discussions, one on the Ontario Turkey Hunting Forums, and people were talking about how it's unlawful. Now, first off, it's, it's legal. It's fully legal to shoot a bearded yeah, hen. Yeah, 100%. But I think they're talking about ethical. It's, And I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm just saying that an ethical if it's legal the ethical side of it is up to the shooter if that's right if you don't believe that it's the right thing to do then you don't do it mm-hmm. but don't be telling people online what yeah is ethical and what's not you can tell them your belief and why like that's maybe right. this person doesn't know that you're shooting that bearded hen and there could be a nest full of eggs that's whatever yeah. like leave that's your, right but yeah. leave your personal opinion about whether it's ethical or not out of it just say hey do you know that right anyway well, sorry i just i, had to I say thought it. long and hard i thought long and hard because i the first thought my my thought process i had was i was going to call up my good friends at advanced taxidermy and, and it would she would look beautiful uh mm-hmm. an amount on the down in the new man cave because you know, I've, I've hunted turkey for a long time i've seen two and yeah. uh you know it's not it's not something you see every day but and she she ironically she had a she had a longer, a much longer beard than the Jake she came in with. So it was, uh, but anyways, yeah, Damien, you, uh, we get out of this mess, we'll get you down to beautiful Hastings and, uh, we'll see if we can't get you a bird. Yeah. But you know what? I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it a lot today and, and, and I was really thinking about Ryan's dad. Um, Ryan's dad is, um, is something else like, I've never seen somebody so excited over other people shooting birds. And like the guy won't even take a gun. He'll come out and sit and watch, watch you hunt and not hunt himself and then be excited for you that you're, that you're hunting. Right. And I got thinking about it and I'm like, you know, you know, I am now don't get me wrong. I fucking love shooting birds. (laughs) But, you know, I'm I'm starting to turn in the dog like I, I'm starting to see the. The fun of just being around people and their excitement, like I couldn't like I'm jealous um, just of you and Dave now. Right, Brian, like you, I've got my son. I haven't been out yet. We'll go out. We're planning on starting to go out next week. Um and I took him out with me last year, um, but it wasn't a great experience for him because I didn't dress him up warm enough um, and he was a little bit cold, but he still had fun. But like, I'm jealous now today, listening to you two talk about out with your, out with your kids and, and harvesting birds and, and seeing those, that excitement on them. And I've been watching videos on Facebook and there's one of this, this, this kid, it must be his, his first hunt. And he drops a turkey and I'm telling you, like he's high-fiving his dad 
Like it is the best day of his life. His dad's crying because he's so happy. This kid is just ecstatic because he's he's killed his own bird. And and you know, and and you could take, and I said this on the post when I made the post about Abby, you know, for a kid these days, and and I want the listeners to really think about this and you, you might think that's a, it's a bit bullshit what I'm saying, but if you think about the pressures that kids today is under, that are under, I should say, my English is horrible. Um, But you think about all the pressure that they get from social media, from school, from wherever else. And then they decide that they want to go out and they want to harvest an animal and put food on their table. That is not something that's the norm in a, in a teenager's life anymore. Not like when we were growing up and, and, and obviously your geographical location has a lot to do with that, but you look at like, like Abby, Dave, like up, up where you guys are, like, there's not a lot of girls that's, that's looking to go out at, 12 years old to go out and hunt Turkey, you know, Bryce is a hockey player. Like how many, how many of his buddies are, are out chasing birds? Do you know what I mean? And you could say that I'm, I'm spewing bullshit here, but the fact that I bet you if when Bryce shoots his first bird and Dave, when Abby, the day that you cook up the bird that Abby shot and you put it on the table and you make the point that, that everybody knows this is the bird that Abby shot and we're eating. You know what? That's a huge feather in the hat for that kid that that kid can now go say that none of his or her friends are doing. And that's a huge, huge thing in a world where girls, especially girls, but even so boys where they're just, they're, they're scrutinized about every little thing that they do and to be out and carve their own path and to go out and harvest an animal and put food on their family's table. Listen, it's not the 1800s anymore. No one's going to starve because you didn't shoot that turkey. But the fact that you're hunting and you're putting food on your family's table, I bet you it is a huge, huge deal to any kid. That's out hunting. I I've said it before here and I'll say it again. There's a movie on Netflix called the women who kill lions, especially if you're going to take your daughter out or any, if you're getting your kids into this, watch that and see, because it does happen. You post a picture and you put a hashtag wildlife on it and someone clicks that wildlife and they see you with a dead animal, they might DM you and girls especially will get i can't believe you kill animals and i'm going to do what you did to that animal and it's they are death threats they are threats right yeah Um, and it's disgusting um but yeah it's the amount of pressure on the outside now she's very both of my kids i've made sure that anytime one of their friends shows interest we take them out i talk to the parents and we take that kid out whether that kid gets his hunting license or not more often than not, I'll find that that kid will get his hunting license. And because he has to have a parent with him, the parent yeah. is obligated to get the hunting license too. But um, it's, it's just such a different world now that we're living in. 
Yeah. I, I agree. You know, I've <clears throat> for years I've told Bryce and, you know, Bryce is, you know, I, I'm an avid angler. I'm an avid hunter. I'm a trapper. Uh, Bryce has been eating weird shit his entire life. And, you know, he, this is the kid who goes to school and is telling his teacher that, you know, he's eating squirrel and he's had beaver and he's eating muskrat. And, you know, and I, I, I always tell Bryce, you know, never be ashamed to tell people what you do because hmm. you're doing it. You know, there's a reason why you're doing it. You know, you're doing it legally, just like everyone else going shopping. You know what? You go shopping. That's fine. That's what you want to do. I want to go. I want to go hunting with my dad or I want to go wherever. Right. Um, I said to him, never be ashamed of that. And I said, you know, like for us, we stock our freezer, you know, and Damien said, you know, and, and that's something we hear all the time is, you know, we don't, you know, people don't need to hunt or fish to sustain themselves anymore. And, and you know what, while there's truth in that, I would, I would actually, I would, I would say that, you know what, and it's, it all goes down to the personal choice of the people, right? Like, you know, for us, we don't buy beef. You know, I, we put, we stock our freezer with, with deer and bear and, and waterfowl and whatever other critters. And, and for us that, you know, it is feeding our families, even though, you know, yeah, we could go to the grocery store. Sure. We mm -hmm. could do that. But you know what? I, 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 I take a lot of pride, much like everyone that I know takes a lot of pride in, in the, harvest that they get you know they take they take the time and care and you know making sure it's you know you're putting it into your body you're eating it you're making sure it's clean you're getting all those pieces off my wife is my wife never never knew a hunter before she met me she had never eaten wild game and you know uh for her now you know she has her hunting license she has her firearms license she hasn't come out with me yet uh like to hunt she's been you know she's been out on some hunts with us but we we that's all we eat it's venison and bear and such like that so you, you're absolutely right Dave, there's a lot of pressures out there. And, you know, I always tell Bryce, don't be ashamed for, for what you do. You know, it, you know, be proud of what you do, take the time to educate people on what you do. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 12 years old, or, you know, my, my best buddy, uh, from Pembroke, we call him uncle Sean. A few guys, few of you guys have met him at our dinners. Mm -hmm. He, he, he didn't grow up in a hunting family either. And he, you know, I met him in college and, you know, I was going out duck hunting one morning. He's like, Hey, can I come? And he was hooked. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, so it's, you know, it's just about having those conversations. So you're absolutely right. It's, it's, you know what, let's embrace it. Let's get more people involved, talk about it. Um, you know, it's about investing the time and, 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 uh, as Damien said, it's not, it's not about pulling the trigger shit. I'm, I'm just as happy when someone else is shooting their first duck or shooting their first Turkey or, you know what, having their first bear come in or whatever the case may be for me, it's all just, it's getting out there and seeing the smiles on people's faces, right? That, that's what, that's what gets me, you know, Damien, you talked about, uh, social media posts and there's one social media post that got me and I'm obviously I'm a little biased. I'm starting to get teary right here, but everyone knows my story with, with my son, Jace. There's a, sorry, there's a, there's a video that surfaced uh, about a year or two ago. And I have actually had uh, numerous conversations about this with a good friend of all of ours is, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Steve Sugulik down in, in Southwestern Ontario, but there was a little boy, he was, he was disabled he was in a chair and, you know, anglers took him out fishing. They had him situated on the bass boat and he caught his first fish. And this kid was, I don't know, he was 10 or 12 years old mm -hmm. and he, and he needed a lot of assistance, just, just the same as Jace would. 
Yep. But the sheer excitement on yeah, that little it. boy's face, you know, we, we take it for granted. We take it for granted that, you know, stuff that we, we can easily do. Here's a little boy that needed uh, likely two or three, maybe even four people to situate him on a boat, to get his chair fastened appropriately, to get out, who wants to do it, who wants to take mm-hmm. the time to spend time to take somebody out, let alone someone who uh, is disabled, may not be able to communicate with them. Yep. And that video, it went viral. It came from the States somewhere. I'm, I'm sure I could find it. Yep. Uh, the excitement on his face was just unbelievable. And, you know, that has me thinking from a dad who's, you know, a, who has a son in a very similar situation. You know, I talk about taking Bryce out all the time. It, it, it crushes me to the soul that I can't do that with Jace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not that I can't do it. It just requires so many additional steps and so many additional pieces of equipment and all that yeah. other stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, it's about creating those opportunities and, you know, I, I have thought long and hard about taking what I'm doing with Jace and helping others to, you know, somehow to incorporate that in. And this is where, you know, I've had that chat with Steve a few times, but there's a lot of kids out there who, and I shouldn't even say kids, I'm, I'm referring to kids cause I'm thinking Jace, but there's a lot of folks out there who just aren't given the opportunity. Very who true. knows if they want to, yeah. right? And whether it be hunting or fishing or whatever the case may be, you know, if, if we could, if we could make ourselves more available and have more people, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in participating in a, in a zoom call tonight with four other guys and one's missing who are, who are very welcoming into taking people out. But if we could, you know, I would say that, you know, the masses aren't as welcoming unfortunately that's that's just the sad reality of it well buddy i tell you what once i get my little spot squared away here it'll be easy for him we can just roll him right into the blind and sit him down and he'll just yeah there would be no the only extra work would be uh keeping him quiet or or (laughs) the only extra work is just feeding him uh would be the only extra work that that's all it is there's okay. no way he. There's no way in hell he's louder than Damien. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, no, listen, get- guys. We're 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 running at a time, and and it just wouldn't seem right, Brian, to have you on without giving a quick shout out to Wald for Hope. And I, and we could go on for hours, boys, and I know we can, but we gotta sort of kind of cut it off here um but brian we got to get a shout out for wald for hope let us know uh give all the listeners an idea of uh, the past two years what it's done to where you are today and what your thoughts are uh coming up in the future well i appreciate that and i know i might as well give the the plug there you there. go there's yeah, the- so that that logo actually i uh, i designed that logo and it incorporates a lot of things that are that are important and special to me. Obviously, if you look at it, it's it's a duck head, much like DU goes the opposite way. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the fish hook. Uh, there's the uh, green ribbon, which is the cerebral palsy. The official color of cerebral palsy awareness is is green. So I've got the CP ribbon in there. I've got the turkey feather down below, and and actually that antler, that antler is a shed antler that I found. Um, about a hundred yards from a deer that I have harvested that is on my wall at the office. So, you know, that this, this represents a lot that is important to me in, in my life. And, you know, that segues into obviously, obviously Jason, the creation of wild for hope. And I know I chatted with about this uh, originally and um, for, you know, for the millions 
and millions, millions of fans listen millions right. um millions. we right. uh you know i'm always happy to chat and i you know i would welcome the opportunity to chat more about kind of the history but you know the last the last two years in particular have been you know it's been rough um you know and i think it's been rough on everybody you know we spoke before um we got going here you know jace was supposed to have a surgery that got Kai Bosch because of COVID and all the all the stuff, which you know could affect his uh, his long term well being uh, on his hips. But um, you know the past couple of years have been rough. Uh, but Wild for Hope obviously is is a dinner that I started uh, a couple of years, few years ago now that quickly became. And I'm you know I'm gonna self plug myself that it it quickly became kind of the marquee dinner of across Ontario uh, when it comes to representatives uh, coming from all across Southern Ontario, right from sud- well, every, every part of the province, um, you know, that could drive to it. And, you know, we grew, we grew the sponsorship list. Um, you know, uh, I think, I think we're up over a hundred different companies, uh, small to large, uh, who want to be part of it. And it's not, you know, unfortunately it's, it's, it's the story of Jace's up, and and his and you know how he came into this world uh, that pulls at the heartstrings but it's also you know it's not just about jace it's about our desire to help others and 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 help other families that are going through similar situations and you know i think it kind of it, it ties into kind of everything we've talked about here tonight and that you know what um anglers and hunters are and trappers are you know they've in my view they've got they've got the biggest heart and when I I'm biased because I'm talking about wild for hope, but when I've looked at the generosity for folks wanting to be involved in wild for hope, uh, it's, it just blows me away. It's overwhelming. Anyways, I, I know we're, we're short for time, but no, no, uh, we, keep were supposed to have, we were supposed to have a dinner obviously last year in March, uh, COVID came in and struck us down. Uh, it was going to be our largest event. Um, it was 225 spots, uh, and we sold out uh, literally in minutes. <laughs> uh, and I and, and people are saying, Brian, you're full of shit. That doesn't happen. I'm telling you, oh yeah, it, it was minutes. And I had a waiting list uh, of 225 people, and I had a I had a waiting list at one point uh, of of 50 people after the. Well, do you remember when I messaged you and I was like, Brian, I need a ticket, and you were like, they're all gone, and I'm like, shut up, they're not all gone, <laughs> but then. But Sagulik had already counted. He had already in. booked you in. Yeah, he like it was. Me in, but it was gone. That it week. was. It was nuts. Like it was crazy. And you know what? It's, 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 it's humbling. It's heartbreaking. All in the same. All in the same breath. But so we were supposed to have that dinner in March. We postponed it, hoping we could have it later in the year. That you know, shit happened. Obviously, we can't leave our houses. So we obviously weren't getting two hundred twenty-five of our friends together. Anyways, we held a, a mini silent auction just kind of as a test uh, back in January. I cherry picked, uh, you know, I think it was 26 different items, um, threw up real quick, did a social media, Facebook event, just kind of test the waters. It was a resounding success. We had, I think there was a, about 230 people, I think, went on to view the different stuff. We had uh, active bidders. We, anyways, we raised uh, uh just over $5,100 on, on 26 items that first night. So it was, it was a good test. Um, through that, I've been, I've been trying to think about how we are going to keep the momentum going. I don't want wild for hope to die away. Uh, I want it to go strong. I want it to continue to expand. You know, I talked about, you know, that story about the boy who got out fishing for the first time. I, you know, I can, I have this uh, vision in my head of taking this to a scale that, um, is beyond what people can believe and that, you know, showcases and highlights and really puts a spotlight on anglers and hunters, something that's been 
direly missing from you know the general public public they see them and they think oh just um i want to i want to create something that you know the the average person says fuck look what those people are doing for that little kid right um so i've been thinking about um you know what we're going to do and i still have a a huge lineup of of absolutely wonderful sponsors who i already have the product in-house so i haven't even announced it yet on facebook but you know live here with the millions of fans and one because julie's listening so i've added you another one here tonight um uh, no no seriously this is a, this is a great episode wait I love, she I wasn't a fan before <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you saying hey yeah. you know what julie your your lack of love for bird dog whiskey is one right. thing is that's one thing that I can. That is the past. best video. That is the best video the ever, best, hands down. Best video ever. So, anyways, uh, we are going to have. Uh, I, I I said to Jules actually tonight at supper time. I'm gonna I'm gonna plan out and I'm going to do another virtual event um, later this year, leading into the hunting season. We have such amazing products. Unfortunately, we won't be able to use everything. You know, we've got we've got bows and we've got crossbows and there's certain things that we just can't do on right. on social media. Yeah. Um and there are certain products that have an incredibly high value to that um I just I, I'm I'm worried from uh putting it on social media that you know it doesn't necessarily give the love to the sponsors as well. There's certain things yeah. that obviously we just can't we can't get in there, but I you know I can tell you full-heartedly and you a couple of you guys have been to my dinner you you guys know that when we go out with prizes if if you don't win something you got the shit ass luck um so we're gonna go out with an event later this fall um because realistically uh, i just i'm a believer of um we're not out of this yet we will get out of covid but we're not going to be able to have events uh you know especially in march when i want to have it cerebral Mm -hmm. palsy awareness month where we can have 200 people to get together. I just don't think that's going to happen by this time, uh, March. So we're going to have an online event. We're going to give lots of love, um, to our sponsors. We're going to promote it. I hope everyone, uh, is able to participate, share it, uh, participate. If you can, if you can't share it, it's just as important. It's raising awareness to cerebral palsy. Uh, you're helping my little boy, Jace and his future with, uh, lots of, uh, big costs going to be coming up, but more importantly, or as importantly, I should say, I'm never more important than my son, but as importantly, uh, obviously we are always going to commit to donating 30% of the proceeds raised to help other families in need. Uh, you know, in the past two years, we have donated, uh, $11,500 in our first two dinners when we were able to have dinners to Five Counties Children's Center where we have bought specialized adaptive equipment to go under their loaner programs, which, you know, uh, literally uh, have are not in stock in Five Counties because every time they come back, they're thoroughly cleaned and they're back out the door to a new family who needs them. So, um, you know, we're dedicated and committed to helping uh, those families. We identified, I lived it. I went through those those hell days. I know there's not a lot of help out there for families. I know there are a lot of families and people struggling. Um, you know, I put on a brave face. There are days where I'm, you know, we're crushed, but you got to put your left foot in front of your right and you got to forge forward. And if we can help other people, then we're going to sure as hell, we're going to do it. So stay tuned for more information on that. I appreciate you giving me a plug, Damien. Um, you know, I'll, I'll close by saying, uh, guys as always i love i love i love listening to your show i'm always happy i'm love coming on chat and we didn't even get to chat about my dog nova we'll have i to know yet you have to have me on another time or we'll do it over a hunt but uh, no, no, we'll have you on again uh, hey, this I, is I, the I, first time that we've had the guest on that 
we haven't been like we're gonna have to bug you to come back no he's like oh i, I gotta come back <laughs> yeah i got more more shit to talk about I, I i told you phil i got i can banter all day long but right hey, but hey, uh, i will close by saying wrong with running a brown dog <laughs> <laughs> Okay. For for no, those no, no, no. listeners, my my beloved Nova came from as a brown dog, and and her papa came from you know someone wearing a Punisher waterfowl hat below me here on the screen. But I I, I do want to say Damien's dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll leave that in, I'll leave that up to everybody, right? Uh, <laughs> I I do want to close by saying, uh, Damien, uh, congratulations to you as well. Uh, you know, you're wearing a hat which I've been, I've been, I've been watching all night and I actually saw it, uh, when, um, uh, when it was first promoted, uh, you obviously recently announced the, uh, the partnership with real geese. I'm a, I'm a big fan of real geese and, uh, you know, congratulations to you. Congratulations to real geese. That it's awesome partnership. Uh, great companies getting together. So kudos to everyone involved. Uh, you know, good on you. Good on real geese for, for, uh, jumping on board with, uh, a bunch of stellar, stellar lads. Yeah. So even if they run, even if they run brown dogs. Yeah. So, and you sort of kind of stole my thunder there. So, so, um, and Dave, (laughs) well, no. And, and because I didn't get a chance to talk to Dave, but I know Dave was 100% behind it. But um, so with regards to anything that you have coming up with regards to Jace, cerebral palsy, awareness, wild for hope, anything, um, all you got to do is ask us and, and, and consider Punisher Waterfowl a venue for you to, to um, spread the word on that. Also, on behalf of uh, Craig Mintz and Real Geese, uh, we will donate three dozen um, Shadow Series. So I'll get those to you at, for your dinner. Um, so that's three dozen Shadow Series for the Wald for Hope dinner. That's amazing. For- yeah. So, and that's, uh, that's on behalf of Craig and us. So from real geese and Punisher waterfowl, Dave and I, um, um, yeah. So listen, anything that we can do to help a wall for hope, cerebral palsy awareness, anything, Brian, all you got to do is, is just reach out and, and ask, because you know, me, the only time I message you is when I need something. So you can you can revert that back to me too, right? When you need something, you can message me because, uh, you know, we're, we're horrible, or at least I am. I'm horrible at staying in touch with people. I I tend to only message them when I need something. So well, you know what? I I, I appreciate that. I I really do appreciate that, Damien. And and uh, you know what? Life gets busy, and you know what? I uh, obviously um, Dave and Ryan. I don't know you guys as well, and and Phil and and Damien. You know, we've had uh, we've shared a few bird dogs over the over the time of various places. But uh, life life gets busy, and uh, you know, I'm the first one to to say that. So you don't need to apologize that. And oh, you know what? I've got a me. I've got a full bottle sitting in my cupboard that I'm I'm. I want to open, but I don't want to open because the borders are closed. But uh, no. uh, you know what? You guys have always been supportive right since day one. Craig um, Craig has been uh, hugely supportive from Real Geese as well. Um, you know, so, you know, thank thank you. Big love. Um, you know, appreciate that. And and you guys will always be known as, uh, as huge supporters of Wild for Hope when I'm talking about it. So thank you. Yeah. Uh, we we don't really need uh... not to mention this man right behind me too, or right below me. 
He's been a big supporter too. Who's that, Philly? Who's the man from Oshawa. Oh, buddy, when you were talking, when you were talking about leaving the wall for whole dinner and not having prizes. I remember the very first one. Hey, Philly, remember walking back to the hotel room that night, me and you with all the prizes we had? We were like, and, and we were pushing it off on because Phil and I were drunk and the wives weren't. So we were like giving them stuff to carry because we couldn't carry it. Uh, it was it was fun. And and we and we certainly heard about it as well, but it, it was fun. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Anyways, Guys, this was an awesome episode. I just want, I just want the maple, maple fluff. I just want the maple fluff to come back. That is the best picture. Boys, great episode. I Brian, love how Damien's internet like lasted yeah. the entire episode. I think I think thirty percent of Brian's next dinner should go to buying Damien a solid internet connection. <laughs> Big time. Hey, let's uh, let's start campaigning. Elon Musk to improve my internet connection because um, it's 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 down to Elon is the only one that can save us now. Um, <laughs> everybody, great episode to the millions and millions of fans that are listening. Listen, um, message us uh, if you want to be put in touch with Brian and help out in the Wall for Hope. Anyway, whatsoever, if it's only just to be there and, and offer emotional support, whatever, message us. I'll, we'll get you in touch with Brian. And anything that you need to know about Wall for Hope, we're here. And Brian, you know, we'll, uh, we'll back you and help you out any way we can. This was a great episode. So many good topics. Um, I'm really digging this education on on trappers and how they affect waterfowlers um something i never really put a whole lot of thought into but i'm really digging it and uh, want to discuss it anymore um let's do a quick uh round the table and uh we'll shut her down from there ryan he gone is he gone or is it my internet is shit uh brian great to catch up with you again man no, it's just you, Damien. And uh, yeah, and uh, I hope uh, hope all's well with your your family, and especially with the new addition. And uh, keep uh, hope you have a successful turkey season, man. Hopefully, you can we can get back to normal soon. You can have your uh, execute all your big plans. I know you got brewing and uh, reach that uh, potential that you uh, trying to achieve. Thank you, Billy. Brian, pleasure as always, buddy. Um, really really missing these these dinners like since the first one and the second one you know just getting together ever, getting together with everybody and supporting such a great cause like believe me it's 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 deeply missed and i got that decoy sitting in my basement and believe me, like every time i look at it it's like man i wish i could be there like you know i, I want like so much as i want to keep the decoy <laughs> i want to give it up you know because we know it's going to a good cost and you know i just i, I miss uh miss seeing your uh your handsome face and getting together there everyone's but again great having you on tonight and you know i learned a ton about trapping and we appreciate your uh your words of wisdom and everything you brought forth and uh, again great uh great guests as always look forward to seeing you again dave brian one day we'll meet <laughs> eventually but uh no make sure uh next time you put tickets out for for a while, for hope, you put 10 aside or whatever a table is, and uh, Punisher will definitely buy tables worth of tickets every single time going forward. Big time. Just, 
let me know right away and I'll send you that. We'll get it going. Hopefully we meet. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Brian to you, buddy. Last word. All right. Well, listen, guys, uh, I really do enjoy coming on. Uh, I love shooting the shit about, uh, whatever, uh, whatever talking about shit that we all love. So, uh, you know, to all of you, thank, thanks for having me on. Um, I was, I was joking and as Dave joked about, you know, we didn't even talk about Nova and, and Phil, you'll know, I just, I didn't, I didn't go with the M2. I went with the Frankie, but I am going to a 20 gauge this fall. I am oh, fully supportive of going to the Jesus 20 this year. Christ. <laughs> but no, in all, in all seriousness, uh, uh, love coming on guys. You guys are awesome. Uh, love listening to the show. Keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, I'm always happy to, uh, jump in when the coach has put me in coach. So. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Um, Brian, again, buddy, thanks. And, and I just want to reiterate anything that we can do to help you out. Uh, all you got to do is ask, buddy. Um, and really, you just need to ask. Um, thanks, brother. Everybody, this was episode 48 of The Union. We are two more episodes away from episode 50 and the one-year mark from the time that we've launched the Union 0430. And in our opinion, um, mostly our opinion, um, we've come a long ways in that one year. Um, and we've had some great, great successes in this year. And we're so glad that you all joined us and followed along and watched us. And, and it's awesome when I hear uh, guests come on and they, they make fun of some of the stuff that we've said and, and shows that they've actually listened to uh, other shows and stuff like that. So it's awesome. The only Pro- thing that's taken a step back in the last year is Damien's fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is this is true. So on behalf of Ryan, Dave, Phil, Mark and myself. Thank you. Thank you to all of our guests, especially our returning guests like Brian. And we've got so many people. If I could pull off the one year anniversary show that I wish I could, it would be fucking amazing. Um, but logistically, it will be amazing. It will uh, be amazing. Yeah, it will every be. episode is amazing. With that, big love, everybody. Be nice to one another. Stop being fucking douchebags <clears throat> and look after one another. Big love. We'll see you all next week.